Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher. He rounds up his disciples and he says this, I'm leaving. I have to go back to the one who And I know you're sad, but listen, it is to your advantage. It is for your benefit. It is better that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper who is your comforter, your advocate, your counselor, your encourager, and your strength. If I do not go away, he will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. That's why it's better that if I go away. That's why having the Holy Spirit is better than Jesus. Have you ever felt empty before? Have you ever felt like you have nothing left to give? Like you sort of are, are like one of these glasses here and there's nothing left inside. Anybody ever feel like this? Whether it's in, in life, with school, with, with parenting, with work, with marriage, with wherever you're at, you just sort of feel like you have nothing left. And, you know, I'm hoping that as we've been going through this series, that we've been learning about how much the Holy Spirit wants to fill us and be in us and live through us. And I'm hoping that as we've been going through this, we, we see the importance of the Holy Spirit. You see, here, here's one of the problems is when we depend on ourselves for our own strength, our own abilities, our own anything, we become empty, don't we? And we end up running out fast. Now, now, last week and over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, but last week we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit and being full. And so we become like this glass, and we are full. And what, but what happens is throughout the week, what do we do is, is when you get full, and maybe it's Sunday, that's how you fill up, and, and so many of us, that's what we do is we fill up on Sunday morning. And then we, we start giving a little bit, and, you know, if, if it wasn't COVID and if it really wasn't nasty, little quick story, um, I, when I was in college, I helped out at this small, tiny little Baptist church up in the mountains. And when you took communion, everybody drank from the same glass. I don't know if it made it more spiritual. All I know is it made it. When you got it towards the end and somebody had already taken their communion bread and you're like, um, am I supposed to take communion bread and juice together? Yeah, um, but that has nothing to do with the sermon. But so um, I just remembered this. Because, you know, in normal time, maybe I'd have you drink. But what we do, what do we do is, is throughout the week, I, you know, I'm, I'm filling you up a little bit. And, and we go around, we, I help you, and, and I help you, and I help you, and I help you. And then by the end of the week, we're pretty empty, aren't we? We poured out a lot all week long, whether it's in a phone call, whether it's in talking to our kids, it's talking to your roommate, whatever it might be. We are pouring out and pouring out, and we become empty, don't we? But that's if we're perfect and we hold it all together. But you see, many of us are like this glass. And we're broken. And so not only are we pouring out and pouring out and pouring out, but we're leaking broken. 
and cracked. And you're like, oh my gosh, Jeremiah, you're making a mess. Don't worry. It's just water. We see, it's a problem when we start broken, but what's also wrong is, I'm not going to drain a whole other cup. Is we also start filling our life with things we're not supposed to fill it with. And that's a problem, isn't it? You know, if, if we're filling our life, we're wanting to fill it with the Spirit and, and, and fill it with God, the only way we can stay full is if we go to the source. Because the source, what happens is we're not just supposed to be full with enough, but we're supposed to overflow. So I ask you this morning, are you feeling empty? Are you feeling broken? Do you have things in your life that maybe you need to get rid of? If that's you, if you're anything like me, I needed this week's sermon. The thing is, God's been doing it to me all week. He's starting with you today. Or maybe it's just going to be a matter of revealing what he's been speaking all week. And now it all makes sense. So I ask you today, do you want to learn how to walk in the Spirit every day? And if that's you, let's pray and we'll continue on this journey of better than Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. God, I thank you that you do fill us. You fill us to the fullest. And Lord, that you, you know that some of us are broken and you just want to fix us and continue to fill us. And Lord, wherever we're at today, if we've got some rocks in our cup, if we've got some holes in our glass, if we've got some cracks that need to be fixed, Lord, no matter what's going on, I ask that you would meet us in a special way. Lord, we are one small part of, 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 of the big C, the big church. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that you'd bless your people all over the valley, all over the world. God, that you'd speak through your pastors, whether it's Jared over at, 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 at um, Desert City Church or Andrew over at Cross Church, <clears throat> Bryson over at Relentless. God, I ask that you'd speak to us here at City View in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Ladies, if, if you, heard, you heard that announcement, don't miss that. My wife is super passionate. My wife was the one in the black over here. Um, if she's passionate about something, you don't want to miss it because, I mean, she, man, God speaks to that woman. And sometimes I sit there, and she's, like, sharing what God spoke, and I think, why do I preach? Why don't you do it? And she says she hates being up stage, on stage anyway, so. But she's amazing. You know, here's the, here's the one thing I want you guys to know today. It's only at the source that we can be filled and stay full. It's only when we come to the source, the Holy Spirit, that we can be filled and stay full. It's when we think we can go and fill up everywhere else that we start filling up with rocks. Jesus said this. Jesus said... But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage, best, for your good, better, that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come, will not come to you, 
But if I do go away, I will send him, and he's the one that fills us every single day. So I ask you this morning again, who are you going to to fill up? To fill yourself up every day, what are you going to? Well, good morning. My name is Jeremiah. I'm the pastor here at City View Church, and it is my joy to bring to you God's Word. And let me tell you, this week, as, as, we, as we look at this, as we continue this series of Better Than Jesus, um, and, and the idea of it is, is, is more of a, I know some people, like as soon as we announced Better Than Jesus, it triggered some thoughts like, whoa, wait a minute, what are you talking about? The idea is, for, for many people, we have forgotten, especially as Christians, we've forgotten that the Holy Spirit even exists, and the Holy Spirit wants to do anything in and through you. So it's, it's this draw, it's this tagline to make us think, what in the world is he talking about? Jesus said it first. Jesus said, it's better that I go. He's not saying he's better than me, because they're all equal. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are 100% equal. My wife made fun of me today for saying 100%. That's I think the fourth time I've said it today. I'm going to try not to say it anymore. Um, now you guys are all going to count every time I say 100%. And if you do, just let me know how many times at the end of service. Um, and, and the thing is, they're all just as important. They're all equally important. But I don't think we treat the Holy Spirit the same as everybody else. So the thing is, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And last Sunday, we had, was prob- probably in my, I've been in ministry for 26 years. Last Sunday was probably one of the most powerful Sundays I've ever been a part of as a pastor of any church. It was just an amazing, amazing service of seeing people take this up going, you know what? I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe, I believe with with those people that took that step and everybody else who's sort of been pulling and thinking about it all week long, I believe that God wants to do something in and through you. Especially those who said, you know what? I do, Jeremiah. I'm going to come forward. God notices those things. Now, he's not putting a tally book like, okay, who's coming forward, who's not? God's not saying, I like you more. But God's saying, okay, you want it? Are you sure? Because I'm going to wreck your life with it. Not in a bad way, but in a good way. And so we, we talked about last week being filled with the Holy Spirit. Over the past few weeks, we, we looked, as Mark just said, we talked about who the Holy Spirit is, how he's a he, not an it. We, then, then Jared um, spoke about how the Holy Spirit gives us a new nature, new desires. And last week, we looked at how the Holy Spirit wants to be with, not just with us, but in us and upon us. And today, we are going to look at how do we walk and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? How do we make the Holy Spirit part of our everyday life? So this week I've been studying, as I, I started getting into a little bit, Romans chapter 8. If you want to turn there with me, if you have a Bible, open your Bible. If you have the Version Bible app on your phone, go to there. If you don't know what the Version Bible app is, you need to down it, download it onto your phone. If you only have a flip phone, then hopefully you brought a Bible. Either way, it's going to be up here for you. But Romans chapter 8, I hope, I I said if you guys want to study ahead, you can read. Did anybody actually read Romans chapter 8 this week? Okay, good, awesome. Because I'm not going to dive 100% into the deep end of it. I'm sorry. Some of you are like, ah, you do that. If you have questions, hit me up. 
But there's so much. And I was meeting with the guys. I'm like, okay, this is, this is what I got. This is another one where I'm like, okay, guys, I see seven big things. And like, Jeremiah, you cannot hit seven big things. How about six? No. How about three? That's good, Jeremiah. There's so much in Romans 8. Romans 8, it, it, it's, it's this deep end of, of how amazing God's Holy Spirit and ever, so many of the things that he's done. Some of my favorite verses are found in Romans 8. I love the end of Romans 8 where it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that passage. You're like, how in the world can you memorize it? Because when I was in Bible college, there was a song. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities. And when it's made to a song, it's easy to remember. For me, some of you are like, I can't sing. I have an amazing voice, so um, just the truth. No, I'm kidding. Romans 8, verses 1 through 4. So now therefore, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Let me, I could sit in that verse for weeks. And that's a verse that I think for, for everybody in here, whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether you believe in God or not, whether you believe in, in, in what we do or wherever you're at with Jesus, when you come to this realization that when you are in God, in Jesus, there's no condemnation. That's a good place to sit. But we're not going there. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Isn't that good to know? That you've been freed from the power of sin that so wants to take over our lives each and every day. It says that when you're in Jesus, you're free. That, that sin nature that wants to come at you every single day, that seems like your slave master that is just driving you to do the things that you hate doing, you're freed from that. It says the law of Moses, which is speaking of the Old Testament, was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. The law of Moses throughout the Bible is compared to a mirror. I don't know how many of you have ever sat in front of a mirror and asked your mirror to make you pretty or good looking. Or have muscles. Or get rid of fat. I've sat in front of my mirror lots of times. And, and I, no matter how many times I say, mirror, make me skinny. The mirror says, stop eating chocolate. It doesn't tell me how to do it. But the mirror just shows me how many faults I have. That's what it does. It says, you're a hot mess. You eat too much of everything. And you need to stop. That's what the mirror tells me. But the mirror doesn't tell me how to fix it. And that's what the law of Moses did in the Old Testament. All it says, it gave you the Ten Commandments. Here's all the things. It's, it's a mirror, the Bible says. It's like a mirror. It just says, look at what you need to work on. But Jesus was the one that fixed you. It says the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own, his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sin. That's the gospel right here. I can't. God can. So I'm going to let him. That's what's right here. God says, okay, you guys, we realize you can't. The mirror shows you you can't. 
I'm going to send my son Jesus to die on a cross for you. And so that's what Jesus is. Jesus, Jesus died to take the punishment of our sin. And then he gives us new life. Verse 4. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. Because the law demands a perfect life. The law demands something to take your sins. You have a payment. You know, depending on what law you break, depends upon what the consequence is, right? Maybe it's, a, you, you know, maybe you get a warning. But when you actually have to go before the law, maybe you get a fine. You owe money. Maybe you have to do some time. Who knows what you have to do, but there is a consequence for that. Now, when we make a mistake in life, the consequence of our life not being perfect is death. It's separation from God forever. God didn't want that, so he sent Jesus to do that. And so he says he did this. He allowed Jesus to die to take our consequence, the, our consequence, the requirement of the law, so that it would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, walk after it, but instead follow the Spirit. The first thing we're going to look at is, number one, check who you follow. Check who you follow. Who are you following with your life? This word follow holds the idea of living or behaving in a certain way, which focuses on, on, on continued, continued actions, walking forward. It has this word follow has the idea of walking after or mimicking something in how you live your life. So who are you following? Who are you trying to live like? If people were to look at you, who would they say you copy with everything that you do? With how you dress, how you live, how you act, how you talk, what you post, what you're focused on. What is it? Because this, typically, is how you pour yourself out. This, these are the things that are important to you. So if you're following things that are not good, then you know what? You're probably more broken than most. And you're probably dumping yourself out than most. And you're probably full of a whole bunch more rocks when you're following something that's not worthwhile. And you're wondering, why do I always feel empty? Because if you're following anything other than Jesus, you will never be full. You will always be empty. If you're always trying to fill your life up with stuff other than Jesus, then you're going to be filling your life up with rocks and things like this. So I ask, who do you follow? Does the life you live show who you are following? Does, does your walk look like someone who spends time with God? When you are with someone, you start to act like them, and sometimes you even walk like them. I've been told I walk like my dad. I don't really know what that means. I, I, don't, I, my, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, how, how many of you have ever been told you walk like your father? Anybody ever been told that? Maybe girls, you're like, you don't know. It's, this is just a dude thing, maybe. I don't know. But I've been told I walk like my dad. I, I, don't, I look at my dad, and I'm like, what, what does that mean? Is it that we're stiff and both our backs hurt? Is it that we leverage by our belly size? I don't know what it means. Um, but I walk like my dad, and I, I don't know all of it. But, but it just happens. I don't know why. It's, it's because we spend time together. 
It's because we, 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 we know each other. It's because I, I know the things he likes and I, I do the things. And it's because of all the time that I spent with him on camping trips, all the times I spent with him at home, all the times I spent with him at the store, all the times I spent with him helping around the yard, all the times I spent with him doing that thing. Now, you see, the thing is, the more time I spend with my dad, it seems like the more I start walking like my dad. It's the same with God. The more time I spend with God, the more time I talk with God, the more time I walk with God, I start walking like him. And I start following him. And people start noticing him in my life. And then all of a sudden they start saying, you walk like your dad. And I can say, how do you know my dad? I'm not talking about your earthly dad. All of a sudden they're like, you walk like God. Who do you follow? Who do you follow? You see, the Holy Spirit, the more of the Holy Spirit that we are pouring into our lives, and the more he overflows us, the more we start looking like him. So who do you follow? Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says how we are to be imitators of God as beloved children. And the writer of Ephesians says, this is how you imitate God. You imitate God in, when you walk in love and when you walk in sacrifice. When you walk in love, when you love those around you. And when you walk in sacrifice, when you put others first. That's, that's what Paul says is, as he talks about this walk, this, this walking, this new way of living. The more we want to look like God, this is how you look like God. When you love like God and when you live a sacrificial life like him, that's when you are being full of the Holy Spirit. The more he's pouring into you, the more you're learning about him. The good thing is he doesn't run out like my picture's about to. He never has an end. So first, we want to... Check who we follow. The second is change how we think. If we want to live in the power and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, we, we need to check who we follow. The second thing is we need to change how we think. Ephesians chapter 8 verses 5 through 17 says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sin, sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads you to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile towards God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not under the control of your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit living in you. You're controlled by the Spirit. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him. And Christ lives within you. So even though you are, you are, even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. That right there, if you don't have that underlined in your U version, if you don't have that verse underlined in your Bible, you need to underline that verse right there, right now. 
You're like, I don't underline in my Bible. This one is a must. It is a need. You need to remember that right there, that verse, what does it say again? It says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation. You do not owe your sinful flesh anything. Have you ever felt obligated to help somebody even though you did not want to at all? Anybody ever been there? You got somebody that holds it over your head? They, they you know, they... They offer, they, they, or they help you with something, but in that, them helping you, you know that there's a payment you have to pay them back, and you hate owing anybody. Anybody ever been there? That's what our sinful nature does. It says, you owe me. You owe it to me. You're obligated. And God says, no. He says, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates... You will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children... We are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are not, but if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. So how do we change our mind? How do we change how we think? How how do we do that? Because Paul says, man, that's what has to happen. He says, verse 1, he says, but letting the spirit control your mind so that it leads you to life and peace. Who wouldn't want that in their life? Who doesn't want more life and who doesn't want more peace in their life? Isn't that something we all want? Don't we all want a little more peace? Don't we all want to know like it's somewhere in us that there's more peace in the life that we have? Don't we want that in our life? Paul says when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, when we are being poured into and filled by God, what he's pouring into us is life and peace. Life and peace. It says in Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says to change our mind, we have to set our mind on things above. It means change what's important. Jesus tells us how we do that. Jesus tells us in Matthew, chapter 6, verse 33, seek the things that are all about his kingdom. So it means to change our mind to change how we think. It's to change what's being poured into us. What values us. You see, it's when we all of a sudden start adding, well, I love God, but, you know, maybe I need a little bit more of, of I don't know, Netflix. Maybe I need a little bit more of being more like this person. I don't know. Some, I don't, who knows what. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you're, you're, you're all of a sudden start changing your mind and letting influence your mind. You see, when we start adding those things What's it doing with the God in us? It's pushing God out. It's not us overflowing. It's us taking room outside of ourselves from in us so that God can't fill us as much as we want to be filled. So we have to change how we think, and we do that by allowing the Holy Spirit to start working in us. And here's how the Holy Spirit does it. The Holy Spirit does it by killing our flesh. 
You see, we have this flesh, and Jared talked about our, our sinful nature and, and this desire to want to do things. And all of a sudden, when you start giving the Holy Spirit authority in your life, it starts changing your desires. Jared said it's, it's for one of our friends. It changed the kind of music he listens to in the morning. It, it went from he would listen to that, that hardcore um, rock music, which I had a roommate in college, and he would listen to that. It was Christian hardcore, screamo stuff, and if you like it, that's awesome for you. And I told him, I said, dude, are you even a Christian? And he goes, Jeremiah, I got saved at one of these concerts. And then it really made me feel guilty, and I felt bad, and I repented the whole year. Um, but what, what's crazy is what happened when, when, when Zach started listening to that, these, these desires started getting taken out of him. And the Holy Spirit started changing how he thinks. All of a sudden, like, there, there, there may be this new desire to changing what you read. It's this new desire of changing how you party. It's this new desire of changing who you hang out with. It's this new desire of changing the different things. And that's not you. That's the Holy Spirit that's doing that in you. It's killing your flesh little by little each and every day. Colossians chapter 3 verses 5 through, through 9 speak all about this. Putting to death and putting aside. It's putting to death this anger, wrath, malice, putting aside this jealousy and envy and all these things. It's getting rid of those things out of our life. And that's what the Holy Spirit starts to do. He starts to take these things out of our life so that we can be more full of him. So we kill the flesh. And then, it, it, and then he says, now in verse 14, he talks about how we need to be led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. And I ask you, who's leading your life? And where are they taking you? And only you know that. Now, now the crazy thing is, we might be being led by the Holy Spirit, but we might have the side hustle of something else. And have you ever had a, a car where your tires are a little out of alignment? Anybody ever driven a car where your tires are a little out of alignment? Anybody ever have that? Raise your hand. Who's ever experienced that? Only five of us. Okay, the rest of you have never experienced that in your life. Thank you for your participation. You can participate in here. If you don't, you're just being a butt, and that annoys me. Um, just going to be real with you. So, because this is all part of you acknowledging and you admitting, going, you know what? Yeah, that's been me. Because it's important that we all realize we're on the same journey. We're all getting to heaven, and we all can get out of alignment. And so how many of you ever had that car where your, your steering wheel just starts to pull to the right or to the left? We've all had that. And then what do you have to do? You could just sit and let your car do that, and you just are constantly turning. Have you ever had it so much to where you're almost always having to have your um, steering wheel turn just a little bit? I had this little Chevy Sprint. I've showed you a picture of it. And, man, that thing, if the, you know how the freeways, I don't think they do much anymore, but you know how they used to have those lines in them? Um, I don't know what they're, why they do that, but they had all these, like, little lines in the, it was concrete, who knows what. But my car would go according to those lines. My son is happy that he can ride his bike and not have to hold the steering wheel and he does all that. You couldn't do that in my little Chevy Sprint. One little bump, I hit a curb once. I hit it multiple times, but there was one particular time. I knocked my alignment. 
You see, what happens in life is when the alignment gets off, we might be going towards God, but we have this pull of the world that our alignment is pulling us one way or another. And so we want to go towards God, don't we? When we, when we give our lives to Jesus, there's that, that inside us, the Holy Spirit is convicting us, and we want to live more for him. And we, can we all admit that we want to live more for God when we give our life to Jesus? And we have that constant pull, and so we're adjusting. Now, what happens when your tires are all out of alignment and you're constantly adjusting? What happens? Your tires start rubbing, wearing wrong. And then there's those, those parts, your tires, you have to replace more often. And you go to the tire shop, they usually will tell you, if you have a good mechanic, they'll say, your tires are out of alignment. Your, your alignment's off, and you have to fix that. And so if we are being led by God, but yet our alignment is pulling us, we need to say, okay, what's out of alignment in my life? What's pulling me, and what needs to change for me? Is it, is it my passions? Is it my desires? Is it these things that I need to kill? Because God says I can kill them. God says the flesh is not my master anymore, but he is. And the key thing is what happens so many times is when we, we, we know that we have our flesh and our flesh is telling us you're evil, you should not live for God, God has nothing good to do in you. We know we want to be led by God and all of a sudden we keep doing the things we, we don't want to do. Anybody ever feel that way? You keep doing the very thing you don't want to do. And then you, you maybe feel like you're less of a Christian. You feel like you're not as good of a person anymore. You feel like, okay, how can I? I was baptized, I've been changed, I've had this life change, but I still feel like I'm all messed up. I still feel like this glass. Anybody ever feel that way? And that's just you. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, he says, I do the very thing I don't want to do, and the very thing I do want to do, I don't do. Anybody ever been there? You don't do what you want, and you do what you don't want. It gets confusing, but you get it. Paul says, me too. Paul said that in chapter 7. Then in chapter 8, he says, but there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He says, the sin is not your master. The sin doesn't tell you what you have to do. That sin nature, it's the Holy Spirit convicting and moving in your life. And what I love as Paul is in this section, Paul says, now you have to remember whose you are. You see, my kids, I have three sons. And they make mistakes sometimes on occasion. They do things they shouldn't. But if one of their friends said, man, you're not a similar anymore. You're terrible. Look at what you did. You lied to your dad. You're not a similar. You did that. There's no, you can't, there's no way your parents will ever accept you back in their home. You, you see, we allow our minds to go that way when it comes to God, but if it was your parents, like, how would you know, like, you know what, my parents, some of you are like, no, my parents, they would have kicked me out. Maybe some of you are like, my parents did kick me out. I'm sorry. <laughs> For some of you, maybe. There was a reason you got kicked out. But I'm not going to get there. I'm going to stick in my family. I know no matter what my kids do, they will always be a similar. They will always be my kid. And I will always love them. You and some of you are going, just wait till they're 19, 20 years old. I have brothers and sisters who've walked away from the Lord. And I know how my parents think. And I know they still love them. I know it. Does it hurt them? Yes. Were the consequences? Yes. But are they still part of the family? 100%. That was like six. 
you're keeping track. My wife is. Remember who you are. God says, you are God's children. He says, you can call him Abba, Father. A friend of mine, whenever he prays, he always says, Daddy. And it comes from this passage where the Holy Spirit says, you can pray to God, Abba, Father, meaning Daddy. And I love, my kids don't call me Daddy much anymore because they're older and that's probably not cool. But I love to be called Daddy. There's just something special about it. And God says, you can call me Daddy. That's who I am to you. It's a relationship. So we may mess up. we got to kill that flesh. we got to be led by the Spirit. Remember who you belong to. It's only when we are filled at the source that we stay full. When we go back and we realize God loves me. So remember this. Remember the first thing we looked at is we've got to, um, sorry, we've got to change or check who we follow, change how we think, and then we've got to center our focus. Romans 8, it says this. For we know that all creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to this present time. And when we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of the future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering, we too wait for the eager hope for the day when the God, when God, will give us our full rights as adopted children into the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot express, be expressed in words. And the Father who knows, all, who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us, believers, in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for good. Of those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. Now, verse 28, there's somebody in this room right now. I'm not even going to go into this verse. And maybe it's next service. I don't know. But you needed that verse in today's sermon. You needed to know that God's going to work it out for your good. So the third thing is that we need to center our focus. The first part that Paul talks about, he says we need to center our focus on our hope. We have a hope for a future with God in heaven. It says there in verses 24 and 25. We have a hope that's not empty. We have a hope that is full. We have a hope that we can be confident in. We have a hope. And that hope is because of the Holy Spirit that is pouring in us and fill us. You see, when we start not depending and not being full of the Holy Spirit, we start losing hope. And I look at so many Christians right now, it's amazing. And Mark and I were talking this week. It's amazing that when things get hard and things get rough, the first thing we give out, we give up on is church, which makes absolutely no sense. You have no idea, Mark. So being, being in the role of a pastor, it's amazing at how many people we know that are struggling in life and what they stopped doing first was church. 
which it's like I ran out of gas. I'm going to ban all gas stations because I hate gas stations. Okay, how are you going to get anywhere? I don't know because my car won't work. Well, why won't it work? Because it's out of gas. Well, there's a gas station across the street from your house. I hate gas stations because I ran out of gas. Okay, you make zero sense, but that's what people do. Or what happens is when life is going good so many times, why do people stop going to church? Because they're like, well, my life is good right now. It's usually when your life is a train wreck, you're so full of stuff it shouldn't be full of, and you're like, well, now I went to church for four weeks. My life is good. Now I don't need it anymore. Then you wonder, why is my life a mess again? See, when we center our focus, the Holy Spirit gives us hope in life. And he fills us continually with hope. But not only that, but the Holy Spirit also helps us when we pray. These two verses right here, verses 26 and 27, are so rich and helpful in our lives with the Spirit. Have you ever had a hard time praying before? Have you ever had a hard time with the words to say and how to say it and what to say and what does it even look like? In prayer, we learn that we are weak. When we come to prayer, we, we often don't know what to pray for in any given situation. And the concern is not about the manner of prayer, but how, but, but the, the how, but rather the content of our prayers. And we don't actually know what to pray about. And sometimes we pray about all these things, but like, but God, what? And, and we pray about all these, these situations, and maybe it's these big things, and, but we don't know really what to pray for when it comes to us and God, and what does God want to do? Have you ever just yelled in a prayer? Has anybody just cried out? You sat quietly? Maybe you cussed God out in a prayer. Or is that just me? Where you've been so mad and you're like, God, what in the world is going on right now? I don't get you. I don't hear you. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why. Is it because of all the rocks in me? What is going on? And God's saying, no, just trust me. I hear you because that's what the Holy Spirit, when God takes over your life and when Jesus comes into you and the Holy Spirit starts filling you, this is a promise that the Holy Spirit starts interpreting your prayers to God. And the Holy Spirit says, this is what those words mean. God, plug your ears because these are not, no, I'm kidding. God doesn't really care. But you see, that's what the Holy Spirit does with our prayers when we realign our focus. We let the Holy Spirit join to help us when we are struggling to know how to pray. He intercedes, meaning he comes on our behalf, sort of like how an attorney speaks on our behalf when we are before the judge with words that we cannot even begin to understand. It's those times that you sort of sit there and you want to pray, but you don't know how to pray. You're broken, you're hurt, you're angry, all those places. And you just sit there and you're like, God, I don't know what to say, but you get me right now. And he does, he gets you. That's how the Holy Spirit starts working in you. This whole series, if you miss any part, I want to encourage you, go back and watch Go back and listen because the Holy Spirit, we so need the Holy Spirit in our lives. This has been one of my favorite. I could just sit and preach on the Holy Spirit for weeks and weeks and weeks. And that's sort of where next week's sermon is going to continue. It's changing the title. The title is The Search. And the whole idea is, okay, God, now what? What's my purpose? God, what is my purpose, Lord? I'm 17-year-old. What's my purpose? God, I'm 42-year-old. What's my purpose? God, I'm 72 years old. What's my purpose? The search. The search. You see, the Spirit is searching for hearts and knows that we need a mind change and a heart change, and that's what He's doing. 
You see, when we come to the Spirit in prayer, when we come to the Spirit in hope, that's how the Spirit continues to fill us, to overflowing. When we center our focus on the right hope and the right prayers, power starts working through us. When we check who we follow, change how we think, and center our focus, it's then that we are able to be full. Because it's only when we come to the source that we can stay filled. Holy Spirit, it's only in you that we can stay full. It's only in you that we can have anything and everything we need. Holy Spirit, for those who feel empty today, fill them. Holy Spirit, for, for those of us who need a fresh outpouring, Lord, fill us. Lord, for those of us who's got some rocks in us, Lord, fill us. Lord, for those who are broken and maybe got some holes and cracks, Lord, pray, God, that you, would, that you would help us realize that it's just all the more that we need to stay closer and closer to you so that you can continue to fill us each and every day. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you've done in this series. Thank you for how you speak through your word. And Jesus, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to be our helper, to be our guide, to be our teacher, to be our friend. Holy Spirit, have your way with us. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityView app on the App Store.